Thank you for that. God bless you. Uh, wow. To say it's a blessing to be back at River of Life would be an understatement. Uh, for those of you who you're always here and you don't ever go anywhere else, you need to know it's not like this everywhere you go. Amen. Thank God. Give yourself a hand. Give God a hand. Amen. Pray with us, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here this morning. And God, for this opportunity that our pastor has afforded us to stand before this congregation. This is your church. And God, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would continue to flow up and down. To have its freedom to walk in and out of every pew. And just hatch every heart. God, how desperately we need you. Without you, we can do absolutely nothing. But God, <laughs> if you chose to sweep through here this morning. And you chose, Lord God, to speak to the hearts of these people. Let there not be one that will resist your voice. Let there not be one that would draw back. But God, in humble submission, let each and every one of us bow in your presence. For you are Lord. And besides you, there is no other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You'll find our text this morning in John, the 17th chapter, in the 17th verse. Jesus is in the garden praying right before he goes to the cross. And he said so many wonderful things. In that high priestly prayer of John 17. But in this one particular verse, he makes a statement. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. From my early days as a pastor, a call comes ringing across the years as I stand in this holy place. A call that comes to me from those who have gone before me. I well remember being instructed. Every preacher that stands to preach. Should preach as if it were to be his last time. Mindful that those hearing him may very well be hearing their last sermon. As a boy, I grew up in North Mississippi. In fact, I am honored today to have my nephew and his wife visiting with us from the great state of Mississippi. Woo. Mississippi is one of those places of opportunity. When you grow up there, the first chance you get to leave, you take the opportunity. <laughs> Brother Al's over here going, hey, Lord, praise God. Amen. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. <laughs> things were different when I grew up as a boy. We did not have a lot of the things that kids have nowadays. And uh, one of the great things in my life was uh, going to the movies the Saturday afternoon matinee. I was probably 10, 12, maybe even as high as 14 years old. And... Uh, 
it came at the end of a long work week. It wasn't that we were just sitting around the house doing nothing, waiting on Saturday. Our days were filled. Mom and Daddy made sure of that. But Saturday would come, and we would go down to the theater. It wasn't but one in Water Valley, a town of about 15,000 people on a big day. That little old theater would be jam-packed as we watched Tarzan. <laughs> Woo! Superman ain't got nothing on Tarzan. Just saying, okay? As the screen unfolded and the film began to roll, there would be Tarzan and he would be up there in that old tree. I'm talking about it looked as tall as the Empire State Building. And he'd be standing there and he would, he would do that call and I can't do it. Thank the Lord. <laughs> and all at once, he had dived out of that tree. Old Johnny Wasmiller, y'all remember? Olympic diver, by the way. And he would hit that water. And he'd begin to swim. And then the camera would show over here on the side about a 40-foot alligator. <laughs> and, and while they were filming him, his eyes blinked. And he would slip off into the water without even causing a ripple. And he'd sneak up on Tarzan. And just about the time that those jaws came down in utter destruction, Tarzan saw him. And it was on. Say amen right there. <laughs> oh, Tarzan whooped that alligator every Saturday. It was an amazing thing. Now, why did I tell you that stupid little old story? Because for over 2,000 years, there has been something slipping up on the people of God. And it's far more dangerous than any reptile that has ever slid into the water without leaving a ripple. And it's this thing called apostasy. And for those of you who may not understand that word, it is the lies that are being told in the name of God. Recently, a survey was brought to me from one of the pastors here at this church. It was dated August the 24th, 2021. So it shows you how recent it was. The report stated that a new study has found that, listen to this, please, more than 60% of born-again Christians in America between the ages of 18 and 39 believe that people can receive salvation and go to heaven through Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus. More than half of the millennials who attend church on a regular basis and they listen to singing and they listen to preaching have come to believe that you can go to heaven by praying to a little old bitty fat statue. The study goes on in the religious views and practices. It came from probe ministries. And this is what the study said. A striking decline in evangelical religious beliefs and practices has been occurring over the last decade. Meanwhile, the number of those who claim to be self-proclaimed believers has jumped by nearly 25%. 
Now understand what I just read. They said for the last 10 years, there has been a decline in Bible truth and Bible teaching and in Bible preaching. The word of God has been set aside for entertainment purposes. And during that same period of time, the increase of people who claim they are born again children of God has increased by 25%. And we're shouting it out, saying, God, thank you. Whoa, what a blessing. Hallelujah. But is it? Should we be rejoicing that people think that they can go to heaven by trusting in Muhammad? When the Bible clearly teaches that there is but one way to heaven. And that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This study also said that there was a drop in the basic biblical worldview and in belief in the accuracy of the Bible. Salvation and Jesus being sinless. They just don't believe it anymore. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't believe in the sin atonement brought forth by Calvary. The Christian Post reports, and this goes all the way back to 2010, that 47% of those who identified themselves as Christians had a biblical worldview. This was in 2010. 47%, that's less than half of those who claim to be Christians have a, 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 a biblical worldview. And basically what that means is that they believe in the accuracy of the Bible, salvation by grace through faith in Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus being the sinless son of God, the sinless son of God. By 2020, 10 short years, the number dropped that believed in the accuracy of the Bible, salvation by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus being the sinless atonement for man's sin, the number dropped from 47% so that in 2020, only 16% of those who claim to be the born-again children of God believe that Jesus Christ was the sinless Son of God. Only 16 apostasy it comes from the Greek word apostasia and it literally means defection departure, revolt and rebellion and this is what is happening not just in 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 the United States this is happening worldwide we have jettisoned the truth for the lies of the devil I don't know about you but I hate liars If I'm ugly, tell me. (laughs) Amen. Don't don't be blowing, you know, smoke up my dress tail. I I want, tell me the truth. You know, the Bible says that God hates liars. It lists the seven sins that God hates. Lying tongue. Right there on the, lying tongue. I tell you what, I've been lied to so much lately. Have y'all been lied to through the television? I'll tell you how bad it is. It is so bad that when Fox News comes on our TV, our dog gets up and leaves the room. (laughs) And every once in a while, you just need somebody to tell you the truth. 
You need to cry out. Hey, look, I don't care what everybody else thinks. I want some foundational truth. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? And so I want to get back to some foundational truth, understanding that this has not taken God by surprise. Understanding that the lies that are being told from the pulpits and the lecterns of America have not taken God by surprise. In fact, what you find... Over 2,000 years ago in the word of God, Jude verses 3 and 4 says this. Beloved, who's he talking to? Talking to the church. He says, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of our common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you. That little phrase, earnestly contend, carries a picture with it of someone in a hand-to-hand combat. He goes further, verse number four, for there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this uh, condemnation. They are ungodly men. They're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Basically what that means is that they're preaching. You go out here and live any way you want to. God's grace will cover it. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If you want more of the grace of God, go out and live a sinful life. And God will give you all the grace you need. Turning the grace of God. This was written 2,000 years ago. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Can I get the Apostle Paul maybe to come and give a word of testimony? 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter times, that's us, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, Paul instructs young Timothy, the pastor of Ephesus, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. (laughs) And a lady tell me recently, she said, I bet when your people hear you preach, they leave out knowing what long-suffering is all about. No, we won't go there. (laughs) Verse number 3, he says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they will, after their own lust, heat to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. The apostle Peter said it this way, Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 1. He said, but there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you, who shall privately bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Notice the last phrase, through covetousness. It pays to tell people you're okay. People have gotten rich in the ministry by preaching portions of the word of God. When the Bible strictly instructs us who stand and preach and teach to preach all of the counsel of the word of God. John spoke it this way. John, uh, excuse me, second John verse number seven. He says, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not 
that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. You know what John said? John said, these deceivers are coming. And they are coming on you privately and they're speaking unto you. And you need to be careful that you do not lose what you once believed. Jesus, the son of God. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. This is what he had to say. Beware of false prophets for which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Matthew 24, 11, Jesus said, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. His name is William Booth. He is the founder of the Salvation Army. He's been quoted many, many times. This is what he wrote almost, I think it's 200 years ago now. He said, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be a religion without the Holy Ghost, a Christianity without Christ, a forgiveness without repentance, a salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. The warning is that there will be false teachers and false preachers who will preach part of the Bible without preaching all of the Bible. In fact, if we are to believe the statistics, the majority of those who are attending church will leave church thinking they're going to heaven, wishing they were going to heaven, hoping they were going to heaven, but they will be damned for all eternity because they have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it matters not what else you do. If you do not have the foundation, you cannot be saved. First, uh, uh, Paul, Paul wrote it this way. First Corinthians chapter three, for the foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a day of lies. Lies that make us feel good. Lies about the way we look, the way we act, the way we dress. Lies told to deceive us as to what is really happening in our country, in our world. And in our lives. And because of this. We need someone that will just be honest enough to tell us the truth. And we need to look no further. Than the word of God. And so this morning it is my purpose and intent. For you who are listening. And haven't gone to sleep yet. To begin to dispel some of the great lies that are being told in this day, in this hour. And the first one is this. The lie of the devil is that God is too good to send anybody to hell. And the truth is, according to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Now the lie is this, that God is too good to send anybody to hell. And the reason that people are propagating that lie is because they brought God down to their standard. They have humanized God. They have deified the flesh. And this is the thinking. They said, well, I know that I'm a good person. 
And I, as a good person, I would never send anybody to hell. And if God is like me and he's good, then surely he will never send anybody to hell. Isn't that good? That's a problem. It goes against the word of God. In fact, God, when listening to the, the trifleness of man's theology and the thoughts of man's head, said, said, you're foolish. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I've been studying Revelation for a long time. And God has helped me walk through that again this year. And I was taking apart Revelation 19 the other day. And in the first two verses of Revelation chapter number 19, there's rejoicing. At the throne of God. We sang that song, creation song, a while ago. I'll tell you what. I love our praise team. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. amen. And our musicians, I love our band. There was only one way we can improve our band. If we put a steel guitar and a banjo. Amen. No, we won't do that. When you get to Revelation 19, 1 and 2, there's rejoicing at the throne. Do you know why they are rejoicing? Have you read it? They're rejoicing because of the judgment of God on false religion. The great apostate, the great whore of the last days. The saints of God. You would never rejoice at the judgment of God on any individual. That's just not in you. Unless you just didn't like them. And then you brought God down to your level again. Oh, the the, the lie of the devil is that that everybody's going to be all right. That nobody's ever going to be judged. Revelation chapter 20 verse number 11 is just in the Bible so that we can have something else to read. Revelation 20 verse number 11. You know the verse? Paul, John the writer says, And I saw before me a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And every man were judged out of the things which were written in the books. They were judged according to the things which were written, I believe, in the 66 books of your Bible. Your owner's manual for life. And the Bible says, and whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was taken and cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Can I just say to you on the authority of the word of God, not what Bill Jenkins says, God forbid, but on the authority of the word of God, there is no such thing as universal salvation. Not everybody is going to go to a better place. Not everybody is going to heaven. And this brings us to the second lie. Well, if, if, if well, preacher, if, if not everybody's going, then surely most people are going. That's not what your Bible says. 
Matthew chapter 7 again in verses numbers 13 and 14. Enter in at the scrape grate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Listen, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. You got a contrast. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box. You've already figured that out. But I know the difference between many and few. Many is the number of biscuits I want to eat. Few is what my wife lets me eat. We got a grip on this? If I were to ask you to skip down, if you've got your Bible open or perhaps you've got your Bible turned on, you can look down in verse number 21. This is what the Bible says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. What? I had that preacher on TV told me all I had to do was, 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 was to bow my head, stretch my hand toward the TV, send him $25 and I'd be saved. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But rather he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Well, what is the will of God? I'm glad you ask. Your Bible says this in the book of Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But his Lord suffering to us not willing there it is that any should perish but that all should come in repentance you say preacher I want to be saved come and repent that's the key you just don't come up here and say some little old prayer that doesn't do any good for anybody and certainly doesn't change your life. If you truly want to be saved, you got to come to the cross. You got to die to who you once were and be born to who he is. Amen. Oh, quit telling people a lie. Tell them the truth. You want to be saved? Repent. Well, preacher, I come get saved and I go home and do better. You can't find that in the living Bible. Get you an old, well, I better not go there. (laughs) Word of God says that true repentance means that I come before him and I see myself as he sees me. Isaiah chapter number six, the Bible says, Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died went into the temple and he saw God high and lifted up and he saw God in his glory and his train filled the temple and the power of God was so manifested that the temple shook and down in verse number six, oh, Isaiah cried out and he says, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. How long has it been? My dear child of God, since you fell on your face and said, God, I'm the problem. It's me, God. It's my flesh. It's my vileness. It's my sinfulness. I am undone. 
the third lie of the devil is that there are saved people who live like the world and it's all right. You don't have to live like a preacher to be saved. Matthew chapter 7 verse number 20. Jesus, pretty good authority. Jesus said, you shall know them by the fruits You know what that verse says? That verse says that if you're truly saved, it's going to show up in your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the apostle Paul wrote it this way. He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old things have passed away. Do you know what that means? When we talk about somebody being passed away, what are we saying? They're dead okay Paul the apostle said I've come to the place where I must mortify put to death the things of the flesh therefore if any man be in Christ he's a no creature old things are passed away behold all things hallelujah have become new one of the sayings around the office is that a true salvation experience will result in a changed life. Here's another lie of the devil. If you die lost, don't give up hope. You say, well, that's stupid. No, that's being preached. And I just want to tell you that nobody is ever saved after they die. We had Matthew 7, 21 through 23 on the screen a minute. Would you put that back up there for me, please? I drive these people in the back crazy. Brother Henry is so organized. Chuck is so organized. Derek is organized, organized, organized. And Brother Bill is just. <laughs> Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. Verse 22, please. Many. There's that word again, isn't it? We saw that a while ago. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name, we cast out devils. In thy name, we've done many wonderful works. Can I tear this verse apart for you for just a minute? He says here, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? The word prophesied that's used here is a, is a Greek word that literally means to lift up with a loud voice. It talks about preachers and teachers. People ask me, say, why do you get so excited when you preach? How come you got to be so loud? <laughs> the exhortation from Paul was preach the word. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not going to whisper it. And he goes for it. He said, these have prophesied. They've been preachers. They've been teachers. He goes further. He says, in thy name we've cast out devils. I don't know if you've tried to do that lately or not. It takes a lot of faith to cast out devils. Over in the book of Acts, seven sons of Sceva thought they'd go into devil casting out business. You remember? And they went down to the demon possessed boy's house. And they walked in there and they said, hey, in the name of the Lord Jesus, whom Paul served, come out of him. <laughs> Demon possessed boy looked at him and said, now, Jesus, we know. 
and Paul we know. Isn't it something when the devil knows your name? And then he looked at him and said, but who are you? And the demon-possessed boy jumped on the seven sons of Sceva, stripped their clothes off of them, beat the devil out of them, and run them into the street naked. Yet these say, Lord, in thy name we've cast out devils. There's authority in the name of the Lord. And in thy name we've cast out devils. And Jesus didn't rebuke them. And then he goes further. He says, and in thy name we've done many wonderful things words we went to church even when we knew brother bill was going to preach we still went to church we 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 gave an offering we 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 worked on the on the different boards we we served in many different capacities while we we even stayed in the ballroom of the church y'all do know we got a ballroom right Yeah, it's right out there on the left. If you don't believe me, go back there. They're balling in there. Amen. And people are serving in there. Not me. Lee said, Lord, in thy name we have done many wonderful works. Verse 23 is the saddest verse in all of the Bible to me. Listen to what he says. And then will I profess unto them, these who have been preachers and teachers, these who have in the authoritative name of the Lord Jesus Christ cast out demons, these who have done many wonderful works. What does it say? Then will I say unto them, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, The problem is relationship. You can can preach. You can study the Bible. You can teach. You you can have people follow you. They'll fall at the magnificent words falling from your mouth. Oh, yeah. You can develop a great following. Hey, you can can use the name of Jesus. You You can serve in many capacities. You can fool everybody, including your wife or your husband. But you cannot fool Jesus. And Jesus said, with all that you did, you never knew me. You never were saved. You never had a relationship where I became your Lord. And because of that, you must depart. If God was going to save anybody after they died, don't you think it would have been that crowd? If he was going to save anybody after they died, don't you think he would have reached down in grace and saved that crowd? But he didn't. In fact, the word of God says, depart from me. I never knew you. Here's another lie of the devil. You need to be saved. But just not right now. You need to be saved. But you got plenty of time. You need to be saved. But just not right 
away. And here's the truth from the word of God. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number one. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day shall bring forth. My nephew is sitting in the congregation this morning. His father was 45. His mother was 43. Went to church on a Wednesday night. (laughs) He was the church training director. She taught in the school, the Christian school. Godly people. They pray for you in a heartbeat just like that. I pastored in Missouri and Arkansas trying to go to school. Every time I had a test, I called my sister on the phone. Please pray for me. Please, please. They left church that Wednesday night. We don't know how it all came about. But they ended up in my uh, nephew's, not this one, the other one's pickup truck, little four-cylinder pickup truck. Y'all know those little small Chevrolet trucks that you had back then. We're not told what happened. We know that, that when they left the church, maybe they went by the mug and cone drive-in. Y'all know where that's at. And they got them an ice cream cone. They went out to go to their house, which was out by the boat landing. And they got out there to where the main highway was. And they stopped at a, si- a, 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 a stop sign. You know, there's two lanes of traffic there. They went by and they went on past them. And, and they started up this little hill. And, and I... Nobody knows. We'll find out one day when we get to heaven. I don't know if my sister reached over to get a bite of my brother-in-law's ice cream cone. Probably. But for some reason, he, he swerved off the road on the right-hand side. And, and then, then he corrected. And he overcorrected. And the truck swapped ends. And in North Mississippi, we have what we call clay gullies. And it went down the side of one of them clay gullies. And and the tailgate hit against one of them old clay gully walls. And the truck wasn't messed up. They drove the truck away from the accident. But my sister and her husband, 45, 43 years old, both of their necks were broken instantly. They stepped out into eternity, leaving two teenage boys. Boast not thyself. Of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day bring. Oh, preacher, I know I need to be saved. I know, listen, listen. I was doing a revival up in Missouri, and, and during the invitation, a lady came forward to give her heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and after she had spoken with the pastor for a minute, she got up in front of the congregation, about like what we are this morning. And this is what she said. She said, I have known for 40 years that I was lost. Every time we had a revival, I volunteered for the nursery so I wouldn't have to hear the preaching. But this morning, I'm coming to tell you for the very first time in my life. This lady had two sons in the Baptist seminary in Dallas. Raised them right. She said, I'm coming to tell you for the first time this morning. That I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and to save my soul. Oh, and according to statistics, she's not the only one. Our churches are filled 
to the point that Dr. J. Harold Smith estimated as high as 75% of those who heard him every Sunday morning were lost and headed to a devil's hell. Dr. Billy Graham said the greatest evangelical field in America is the church role. People who've been lied to. People who have been the subject of apostasy. Who said as their preacher stood or as their teacher stood, come on down and pray a prayer. That's all you got to do. And everything will be wonderful. Why, if you come and join our church, why, your dog will never have puppies again and your breath will never smell again. Just come join our church. And you laugh at that. But untold thousands have stepped across that threshold. If you were to ask them, are you saved? How dare you? I've been a member of this church since Moses was a little baby. Are you saved? How dare you? Don't you know that that brick out in front of the church has got my name on it? My granddaddy preached in this church. How dare you question the fact that I... What did your pastor say a while ago? He quoted you scripture. Work out your daddy's salvation. Is that what he said? Work out your wife's salvation. A lot of us want to do that. Work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. Why? Last lie of the devil. If it doesn't work out for you this time, you're going to get a second chance. That's not in the Bible. This, this thing about, well, I didn't make it through the first time, but when I'm reincarnated, I'll become a better person. Wrong book. According to the Bible, God's holy word. This is the only opportunity that you'll ever have to be saved. This life. Now, you say, preacher, you're, you're getting awful bold this morning. Yeah. I don't want to see you die and go to hell. I want you to know on the authority of the word of God what you've got to do in order to be saved. The first one is be honest. Honest enough to say, God, he's right. That old fat, bald-headed preacher is right. I've never been saved. I joined the church. I prayed at the altar. I sang. But God, you're looking into my heart. And I've never really been saved. Step number one. Step number two. Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. John 6, 44. No man can come to the Lord unless the Father draws him. It is the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God. John 16. That tells us that of the judgment of sin. Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. You walk down to the front of this church. You take the preacher by the hand. Whoever might be here at this altar. And there will be several with their Bibles. And you say tell me how to be saved. That's all you got to do. If God is calling you to be saved. You walk down this aisle. Step number two. 
and you tell whoever's down here, show me what the Bible says I've got to do in order to be saved. Step number three. When they show you the word of God, you got to believe it. Thy word, O God, is truth. Believe it. And then accept it. What does the word say? That with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And then with mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 and verse number 13 says, For whosoever, means you, me, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad it didn't say they might be saved. If there was any way for anybody to fall through the cracks, it would have been me. Hello? My mama used to tell me, son, you can find a way to mess up an iron ball. I'd have blowed it. But God wants you to know how much he loves you. And he said that if you will confess me as the Lord of your life, if in true repentance you'll turn from what you are and turn to what he would have you to be, that he will securely place you in his hand, John chapter number 10, and his hand will be placed in the hand of an almighty God, and no one will be able to pluck you out of the hand of God. But nobody can get saved for you. And you can't turn to your wife and say, honey, do you think I'm saved? She may tell you the truth. Oh, no, dear friend, the Holy Spirit of God deals with your heart, with your heart, with your heart, with your heart, sir, with your heart, ma'am individually speaking to you telling you you need to be saved our heads are bowed please our eyes are closed